goodness and your love that you've poured out upon us. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. As we are uh, staying, we can go to the word of the Lord tonight. Ephesians, the second chapter, reading in verse 10. Amen. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Amen. God has a plan for us, and that is to do good things for the kingdom of God. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. There's a path that we are all called to walk in. Wherefore remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world. But now, thanks be to God, now in Christ Jesus, who are sometimes, you or sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Aren't you thankful that you're brought into the promises of God by the blood? Amen. That's just for that. He deserves praise for the rest of our life, right? Because we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for what Jesus had done. Amen. And we owe him everything. Amen. So we started this series last time. We're going to continue it again tonight. Uh, Strangers Among Us, part two. Amen. Turn to a few people and shake their hands as you're seated tonight. Man, we, we started talking last week uh, about strangers and how our view of them is. And, and then we started to take a look at how the Bible views strangers. And we must first accept the fact that the kingdom of God is the only kingdom that can bring together every uh, tongue, people of every tongue, of every race, of every nation, and, and unite them all. Uh, in one mind, in one accord, uh, and we saw examples of that uh, in, in Revelation of, of the, the, the multitude of people in heaven worshiping God. Uh, and so therefore, that's how the church uh, is, should be down here, because we're just an extension, right, of, of what is yet to come. Uh, if we can't worship together down here, we're going to have a hard time up in heaven, right? And in heaven, things are going to be a lot easier, so... Uh, this is the testing ground if we can all get together or not. Uh, and if we can't, then uh, God will decide who gets the short straw, right? Um, and, and so we, uh, we first must accept that the kingdom of God is first and foremost. And so whatever thoughts or ideas or beliefs or even traditions that, uh, that may come from us, come from our side of the tracks or from our upbringing and our family, uh, unless those things that we uh, come to learn, unless those things have the ability and power to bring together every nation and every tongue um, and, uh, and every people, uh, unless our beliefs can do that, then we must accept the fact and realize that uh, God's way is going to do that. And so uh, if the kingdom of God is first, we've got to submit and surrender things that maybe we've uh, grown up with or held on to and lay them down for a higher purpose, a, a better cause, and that is for the cause of Christ and the kingdom of God. 
Uh, and so that is the kingdom of God, which is uh, laid out for us in the Word of God. And looking into the Word of God, we find it, that uh, it, it might view strangers uh, a little more differently than we do or maybe than we thought it does. Uh, because we, we discovered that being a stranger, uh, a, a guest, a, a sojourner, a, a newcomer to the land who doesn't have any rights to the, to the land because they're a stranger, uh, this idea can actually be traced back a lot further in Scripture uh, than uh, when the word is first used. And it is first used in relation to Abraham's seed in Genesis chapter 15. Uh, uh, we, we realize that man really kind of has been a, a stranger uh, since our creation Ever since the fall, man has kind of been a sojourner in this land, although we weren't called to, to be a, a stranger or a sojourner. That's the consequences of the fall. Uh, Noah ended up being a, a stranger in the new world after the flood. And that brings us all the way to uh, Genesis chapter 12, where we're going to talk about tonight when we are introduced to a man named Abram. Uh, Abram, who was a, a man who was well established in his life in the Ur of Chaldees, he had everything going for him. He most likely was a successful businessman of, to some degree, uh, but we're not introduced to him until he is uh, 75 years old. That's when he first comes into the picture for us. Uh, but nowadays... At 75 years old, uh, people are enjoying retirement and reaping off uh, what you have sown in the previous years of your life. You're, you're settled in. You, you've put in the, the years of sweat and toil and stress and worry, and, and, and now you're, you're enjoying life, uh, maybe getting lost in the garage or tool shed for a few hours at a time, uh, not really caring about uh, anything else. Um, or if you've missed anything, uh, Abram was well established in his life, a well established citizen uh, in the city of Ur. Uh, he had, uh, we can assume he had land rights, he had property, property uh, voting rights, or whatever rights were uh, uh, allocated back then in, in Ur. Abraham had them as a, as a long standing citizen in this. Uh, city and country. So he was no stranger, obviously, where uh, in Ur. He may have been uh, a part of some city board or even a, a, some committee somewhere uh, or, or not. It, we, don't, we don't know, but uh, he certainly probably could have if he wanted to, being that uh, uh, established in, in that city. He certainly was no stranger in Ur. But then he heard a, a voice, uh, heard a voice calling out to him, one in which he probably had never heard before or was getting used to hearing this voice. And the voice said this in Genesis chapter 12, uh, Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. 
I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And so with that kind of news and that kind of message, Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. And so the voice of the Lord basically said, Abram, leave behind your rights, leave behind your whatever inheritance you may have, leave behind your security, and go and be a stranger in a foreign land. That's what was asked of him. Go and be a stranger in a foreign land. And if you can grasp the depth of Abram's call, you'll understand why he is referred to as the father of the faithful, uh, the father of us all in faith. And uh, to ask a, a young man who's in his 20s to go on an adventure and to leave everything behind and to be a stranger in a foreign land, uh, it's, it's a lot easier, I would say, to leave Ur if you don't really have much there. There's not much there holding you. you don't, you're not well established. You don't got all, uh, all kinds of properties or businesses or, or whatever it is Abram had. Uh, surely a 20-year-old male uh, is not going to have that and, and being that far advanced in life. And so uh, it's going to be much easier, I would think, for a younger person to leave and do that, go on this adventure. But asking a 75-year-old man to leave everything, to leave your security, to leave your nest egg, leave your safety, uh, and a guaranteed future and, and a, a nice, peaceful rest of your life, leave all that behind and leave it all and go and become a stranger in a foreign land. And if you are here tonight and you're near the age of 75, just imagine that your life is just about to begin. That's, that's, that's Abraham for you. You haven't even seen anything yet. If you're 75, you're just getting started. Imagine with me that God speaks to you tonight and asks you to leave everything behind and to go and be a missionary in Africa. That's kind of, we're getting to the level of Abraham's call. And you're, you would think, well, Lord, I, I've, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm established in life. You can go call some other younger guy who can go and do that. No, God called Abram, 75 years old or so, and said, go out and, 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 and be a missionary to a, 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 a country you don't even know, a place you've never been before. Uh, would you do it? That's the million-dollar question, right? Uh, and that's beginning to understand the depth of Abram's call, just beginning in life at 75. And Genesis 12 and 5, and Abram took Sarah's wife, Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. Abram passed through the land unto the place of, of Sikkim, unto the plain of Moreh, and the Canaanite was in the land. And so Abram finally makes it uh, after who knows how long, months and months of travel. Uh, he makes it to Canaan, and even though he is a stranger in the land, uh, it is not his land. 
He has no rights there. He's a, he's, a, he's a guest. He's just showing up. But here we see God start to, to, to make him feel welcome uh, and start giving out hints or promises or, of, 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 of a future here of no longer being a stranger or sojourner, but, but being a, a citizen there, uh, uh, being a person who has land rights and, and can pass on this uh, parcel of land to uh, their next generations. Uh, verse 7, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain unto the east of Bethel and pitched his tent. And having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east, therefore he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. And so here's from God again, gets kind of a, a promise about, hey, you must be in the right place because this is the land I'm going to give to your seed. Uh, you're now, you're, they're not going to be a stranger in this land. It's going to be their land. And, and Abram builds them an altar, uh, worships the Lord, and gives a sacrifice, which is obviously the right thing to do. Uh, but then after... Uh, after that, we're told Abram still starts journeying, still going south. He's still on the move. Uh, a famine comes into the land, and it drives him even further south down into Egypt. Abram spends time down there, a stranger is, is still a stranger, obviously. Uh, things didn't really go as planned down there. Uh, basically, kind of gets asked to leave nicely. Uh, and so uh, comes in a stranger, goes out a, a stranger, uh, doesn't make a, his home down there. Uh, and so now we see in Genesis 13, Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all they had had, and lied unto him into the, into the south, uh, which is the north now, headed north. Abram was very rich in cattle, silver, and gold. He went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first, and Abram, there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Uh, and so now we see uh, uh, Abram's now back kind of to where the starting place. He, he walked around, journeyed around, hid out south. Now he's back to where he started, uh, back to the beginning. He, he's walked a, a good part of this strange land, uh, that God is going to give to his family. But it kind of seems like Abram's looking for something. He's looking for something. He's arrived in Canaan, and, and the Lord introduced himself uh, as, and, and made this incredible promise that I will give your descendants all of this land, and they're not going to be strangers in here like you are. You're, how you feel, you have no home here, you're not comfortable here because you're a stranger. You don't, you don't know this land and you know it doesn't belong to you, it belongs to the people who live here. And so, but your descendants, I'm going to give them this land and they won't be in the place uh, uh, kind of that you are right now. And so with that news, Abram built an altar, but we saw that he kept on moving. You would think, well, let's let's camp here. This is, the, God, the, the, the voice appeared to me. God appeared to me again here. This must be a good spot to set up camp and, and maybe stay here. But no, that's not what Abram did. He he built the altar and then he moved on. So keep on traveling. Uh, moving southward, kept on searching. 
kept going down, checking it all out. And, and you might think that he was just maybe doing a survey of the land. Uh, but he wasn't. He was actually looking for something. Hebrews tells us what he's looking for. Hebrews 11 and 8. By faith, Abram, when he was called to go out into the place which he should go after receiving an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whether he would win. And by faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as a strange, uh, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs uh, with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So Abram was looking for something. He was looking for a city. He wasn't really checking out the terrain he was, but he was, uh, he was on the move. He was heading southward. Uh, I heard the voice of God here uh, building an altar, but hey, I'm not sticking here. I'm moving. I, I'm looking for something. He was looking for a city, looking for a developed uh, established city that he could maybe just move on right into. He left a, a major city. He left Ur the Chaldees. It was a metropolis. It was a, the, the hopping place. He, he left that mega city, and maybe he was thinking he was going to be moving into a big city. From one established place to another, a, a, a lateral move, if you will, maybe not as much risk there. But Abram didn't find that. He was looking, he did not find this city that was made by God, so he thought was there. Uh, such a city he did not find. Uh, oh, sure, there were obviously established cities in that place, uh, in the region, but I think maybe Abram was waiting for God to say, that's the city, that's the place right there, that's the one that you're going to be the ruler of or you're going to be the governor of or whatever kind of imaginations Abram may, might have had. But he was looking for a city that was made by God uh, because he looked, took a leap of faith. He's, maybe he's thinking that God's going to give me a city because I, I left my city out on my faith and uh, I'm looking for a city that maybe I'm going to either live there or maybe I'll be in charge of it. I don't know. But, but how many times has God spoken to us and asked us to do something or given us a dream or a promise, and, and we think we know how it's going to play out and uh, what it's going to end up looking like, and, and what, we're on the move. We're, we're moving around. We're headed here and there and building altars here, but, hey, we're still journeying. We're still moving, headed south, looking and looking, and finally what happens, just like Abram, we end up back where we started. Back where we receive the promise, and then we say, okay, Lord, you've got my attention. I've searched the whole land. I didn't find, the, find what I thought it was looking for, and now we're back here to where we're at. And um, uh, uh, you've got my attention, and so how's this thing going to work out? Uh, because uh, I, I have no idea. I've tried to look and do it out on my own. And anyone besides me uh, have done that before? We, we really can't blame Abraham for this because he's just kind of new to the land. He's new to the faith, if you want to say that, just as kind of we are. Uh, getting used to how God does things, it's different than what we're used to. Uh, but give it some time, and Abraham begins to understand God and begins to make less and less impulse decisions. Uh, but we're not there yet. He still makes some of those, as, as we know. 
Uh, in verse 12, Aram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. The men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And the Lord said unto Abram, After thou wast separated unto him, lift up now thine eyes, and uh, look from the place where thou art northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee I will give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land, and in the length of it, and the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Uh, you see, Abram kind of already kind of did that a little bit, didn't he? But God hadn't told him to do that yet. Now God tells him to go check it out. Uh, I wonder what Abram's thinking. Uh, I, I kind of already did that. But uh, whoops. Uh, and so now God tells him to go check it out. Uh, and then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the land of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar in the Lord. And so uh, he, he's starting to do things right, starting to learn the patience uh, of God and, and not just run out and, and start, start doing things. But Abram is still a stranger. He's still living in a tent on some foreign land. A uh, little bit more of reality has set in. There's no city that God made, God didn't make a city that I'm supposed to live in, uh, that I'm going to be in charge of or whatever. But now I, I've got to learn to live by faith and trust in God. Uh, and so next we see Lot get into some trouble and being carried off because his eyes were caught on the city. Uh, and, you know, the city life will get you in trouble. Uh, and so uh, Abram gets carried away because Sodom's getting conquered and uh, all because he chose to live in the city. And so Abraham comes to his rescue. And I think that's where Abram's faith then begins to grow a little bit more and to take another leap of faith, if you will. Because here is this stranger who lives in a tent, doesn't even have a permanent foundation or permanent walls. He lives in a tent. And he takes his 318 servants, servants, and he arms them. And he goes on the run. i remind you that these are just servants. Abraham doesn't have a, a, a Navy SEAL training camp that's hidden in the hills. He's just got servants. And the uh, Bible tells us he gets all his male servants, 318 of them, and he arms them with whatever, I don't know, it's not like he had an arsenal or a barracks of, uh, of weapons either, whatever they had. Uh, he arms all his servants, and we're told that he goes and he starts chasing down these kings and their armies. And what happens is Abram defeats four kingdoms and their armies, four kings and four kingdoms, this stranger shows up and wipes them all out with 318 servants plus Abram. And, and so uh, I don't know what Abram thought was going to happen. I mean, you don't even know what's going on. You don't know the size uh, of the nations of, of these kingdoms. But all he heard was Lot was captured. He gathered all, all of his men up and says, we're going to go get Lot back. And, and by the hand of God, uh, these servants and strangers... Uh, defeat four kingdoms of armies. We're not told how many there were, how many people, but it does numbers don't matter with God. Uh, and so, um, 
I don't know if Abram knew what was going to happen, but maybe he realized something about God, that his ways are higher than my ways. And if God is going to give me uh, this land and he's going to give it this land to my ancestors, then he's going to have to keep me alive in this battle, right? Otherwise, this, this all ain't going to work out if I die in this battle. Uh, how can I have any descendants if every male servant that I have has been armed and now we're chasing down four kings and their armies? Uh, so God is going to have to do something in my situation. He's going to have to show himself strong, and we know that he does, and we see that happen. Abram defeats these kingdoms and rescues Lot. Sometimes maybe we just need to charge the battlefield of faith and say, God, I don't know how this is going to work out, but hey, I'm believing that you're going to make a way and let God show up and do something uh, because sitting back and calculating it all of how it's all going to happen, how the miracles are going to work out and supernatural happen, is it's not really gonna, how it's going to work. We just need people to arm themselves and start charging towards the enemy's camp and let God step in and because we know he's in control, that his will is going to be done. And if we're a child of God, he's not going to let anything happen to us. Why? Because we have unfulfilled promises in our life and we can't die in the battlefield if God has promised us something. And so had Abram done that, Doubt would have crept in and fear would have taken over. Abram, you're just a, a stranger in this land. Uh, all you've got servants. You don't got an army. You don't got trained uh, uh, military men. Uh, how are you going to go and fight these established kingdoms with, with armies and established warriors? Uh, that's not going to work out. And so had Abram sat back and tried to calculate it out, he probably never would have went and Lot would have been left. Uh, to his own demise, which, uh, you know, I guess it's a toss-up anyways. But uh, as we know with God, anything is possible, right? Uh, so he just needs somebody just to take a leap of faith and, and to give God a chance in our situation, no matter how grim it may seem, uh, anything is possible with God, and that's what God needs us to do is just to believe. And so I think that Abram's faith is starting to stretch even more after this, especially winning this battle that who knows if he would even he would thought about it afterwards, like, what was I doing? Uh, but um, now Abram defeated this, this battle. He won. Uh, he defeated citizens and kingdoms of this strange land that he was in. A stranger defeats citizens. He's now becoming less of a stranger because the only way you're going to get any rights is if you're born with them or you marry into them or you conquer a nation or conquer land and you get to set the rights. Uh, and Abraham wasn't born in Canaan, so that's out. He's already married, so that's out. Uh, so the only really legal way, if you will, to, to is to conquer the land, to get any kind of rights. Uh, and so we start to see this kind of happening even with Abraham himself as he conquers and defeats four kingdoms. Uh, Genesis 15.1, and after these things the word of the Lord came to Abram in the vision saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. 
Abram, I am all that you need. You're going to come to realize that I am all that you need. I'll be your shield. I'll be your protector. I'll be your reward. And so all that you need can be found in me. And that's the lesson that Abram had to learn. And that's a lesson that we all have to learn, right? We all have to learn to trust in God for everything, to seek the kingdom of God first and all and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Isn't that kind of the, the elementary lesson, but yet it's one of the hardest ones? Just to let everything go and say, God, it's I'm putting you first. The first lesson we learn and the one we're still learning. Verse 2, and Abram said, Lord God, what sh- wilt thou give me? Seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Abram said, uh, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, no one is born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, uh, This shall not be thine heir, but he shall come forth out of thine own bowels, shall thine heir, uh, thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Now look toward the heaven and tell the stars. If thou be able to number them, and he said unto them, so shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the earth of Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Abram said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? Uh, Some good questions here. Um, Lots of promises from God. God's even unfolding more details uh, about the promise, but Abram's still in the back of his mind saying, hey, I like what you're saying, I hear what you're saying, but hey, I'm, I'm still a stranger. I know I don't have any rights. I don't have a, a home here. How am I going to know that I'm going to inherit it? It's kind of like Abram takes two steps forward and one step back, uh, but sometimes that's how progress is made. He's still a stranger, and he knows it. That's why he's asking, how shall I know that I will inherit it? Uh, And then he said, God said unto him, take me a heifer of three years old, a she-goat of three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Um, And he took all these three and divided them in the midst, and he laid each piece against one another. The birds he divided not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. When the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, a, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And we've, we've dived into this before in the past about what, what kind of uh, situation that this was it. This was a covenant-making ceremony uh, that they were uh, well, uh, well aware of. Abraham would have, uh, was aware of this kind of, of deal, uh, as, as we know that if I break the, 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 my, if I don't uphold my end of the deal, and I will be like as these these animals who are cut in half. Uh, so basically, if I if I don't uphold my end of the contract, you can come and kill me, uh, because this is the, this is part of the terms that we're making here. Cut these animals in half, and we'll pass through them, saying if I don't do my deed, I'll become like these animals. So that's what's going on here. Um, he said unto Abram, uh, musicians, you can come. And he said unto Abram, uh, Know of a surety. That thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs. Again, this is the first time the word stranger is used, but uh, we're seeing it applies much earlier in Scripture. Uh, Unto thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. 
And also that nation, nation whom shall they serve, I will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with a great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, and shalt be buried in a good old age. Uh, but as in the fourth generation that shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not full yet. And it came to pass that when the sun went down it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between the, those pieces, uh, because Abraham was asleep, uh, and so Abraham didn't pass through it, only God passed through that. Uh, that We come to understand that as uh, unconditional, an unconditional part because uh, Abram didn't go through it, and so he can't fail. Uh, and the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto this seed I have given this land, from the river of the Euphrates unto the great river, the river of the Euphrates. Uh, and so here we see now uh, the terminology changes. Uh, earlier in Scripture it says, I will give this land to you and your inheritance and your descendants. I will give it to you. But now in verse 18 it changes, past tense. I have given this land to you. And so the deal has been done. That day, that night, a deal was made between God and Abram. While the kings and the mayors and the governors were asleep in their palaces, the deed to the entire land, their very land, under their feet that they claimed to fight for, was being given away to a stranger, and they didn't even know. Some random guy who just happened to show up now gets the deed to the entire land. Over 5 million acres, Abram just was given. All because one man decided to take a step of faith. You see, you're right. You, you don't know where that step is going to take you or, or where you're going to end up, uh, what you'll have or what you won't have. But if that step is ordered of the Lord, I'm here to tell you that you're going to end up better in the end. You're going to end up more blessed than you were in the beginning uh, than if you did not take that step. And so uh, when Abram went from owning a, a city lot to, to maybe a few dozen acres at most in the Ur of the Chaldees, to now he's having the deed over 5 million acres just by trusting in God. You see, I'm not here to tell you tonight that God's going to grant you land or possessions. That, that's nice if he does. Uh, but I'm saying that you don't want to let any God opportunity pass you by because you never know where it's going to end up. You never know where you're going to be. Uh, but all it takes is for us to take that step of faith and to leave behind our security and our comfort zone and to walk into a land where, where we're probably going to be a stranger. Uh, you'll be a, a stranger in a new world or a, a new level in God. I've never been here before. That's okay. God, God likes strangers. He works with strangers. He helps strangers out. We never know what God has in store for us, but as long as we stay where we're at, we'll never see those things come to pass, will we? Stand with me tonight. The deed that was signed that night by God himself was unconditional. It was an unconditional deed. That means there was not a single thing in the entire world that Abraham could have done or not done. There's nothing that he could have done that would have canceled the deal. Nothing 
whatever crazy thing you can think of doesn't matter. Because Abram didn't pass through the, the fire. He didn't pass through those sacrifices. He, didn't, he, wasn't, he was asleep at the signing table. And God just took the papers and said, I'm just going to sign my name and that's all that matters. Abram didn't even sign the paper. And so it doesn't matter what Abram did or didn't do. The land was his and his, his descendants. Here's a better way to say it. Because it is an unconditional deal, it was impossible for Abram to lose that land. It's impossible for him to lose the land. Even his descendants, it is impossible, impossible for them to lose out on that land over there. Because if they do, then that's going to make God out to be a liar, right? And that is why all this fighting over there in the Middle East between Palestinians, Hamas, Islamists, whoever it is over there trying to fight for this land is pointless because they're never going to get the land. They're never going to get the land because God made a, de a deal with Abram that night. And nobody else was around and nobody else can go against what God said. God says, I gave you this land, that's it. Deal's done. Uh, th it's all closed down. And... Um, it, they'll never have that land because God gave it to a stranger among us. And there's no undoing it. God goes into a little bit more description, details about, about what he says of how, how sure the word of God is. Jeremiah 31 and 35. Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinances of the moon and of the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances, what ordinances? The sun, moon, and stars, and the sea. If those ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. So what did God say must first happen in order for Israel to no longer be a nation? What must first happen? The sun has to fall out of the sky. The moon and the stars will have to disappear from the heavens before God will say Israel is not a nation. Think about that. And then think about the fighting that's going on there. They're fighting over, over territory and land. They don't understand that they, they need to turn their missiles and try to blow up, the, blow up the sun. They'll have a better chance of getting, the, getting that land if they blow up the sun uh, than, than fighting over there. Why? Because God said, uh, those things must depart from me. They must cease to exist before, na before Israel will ever cease to become a nation and will ever give up that land over there. See, that's how serious God is and how he takes his word. And that's how much he depends on it. And the sooner that we understand that and, and we believe that and, and we live by that, the sooner that we can see the hand of God happen and do things like never before. God just needs some people to believe and to exercise their faith that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. It doesn't matter how crazy it sounds. Hey, if God said it, it's going to happen. Well, but I'm a stranger here. But I'm new here. 
here and I, I don't know anybody. Uh, that doesn't matter, does it? God's okay with strangers. He'll take a stranger and he'll give them the land, the deed to the land of five million acres. Uh, and so there are strangers among us. And that means there's an endless opportunity for God to do something. Because we don't know the promises that God has spoken to that person next to us. We don't know uh, the details of where God has called that stranger beside us. We don't know what God has for them, and, uh, but we got to make sure we reach out and, and, and make the strangers of friends. Because, hey, in these last days, we're going to have to start binding together like never before. There shouldn't be strangers among us in the church. Why? Because we're all called for a purpose. We all got something going. God's got a plan and a purpose for us all and there shouldn't be any strangers among us. If there are strangers, we need to get to know them because God has obviously called them here for a purpose and a reason and we don't know what God is doing in their life or where they've come from. Uh, and so, uh, but God just needs people to step out in faith and believe him for the impossible and let God worry about the details. If we have to be a stranger somewhere, that's okay. God will work everything out. I already saw him do that for Abram. I know he'll take care of us, take care of you. And so what do you need God to do for you? The sky is the limit, but that's okay. We serve a limitless God. Uh, the impossible is possible with God. And so uh, uh, we know that God has many things in store for us. Uh, we just got to step out in faith and believe that he can do it and he can use me. Uh, uh, he can use you. Uh, he doesn't, uh, he's not calling the pastor to do everything and be in every ministry and do everything. No, we're all called for a purpose. And I don't know what God has specifically called for you to do or spoken to you, but hey, I trust in God and I know it's going to work out for the good. And so we got to bind together and make sure we're not strangers, that we're family. We're the family of God. We're sons and daughters of God. And so what is it that you need him to do for you? Amen. We just reach out in faith tonight. Amen. Why don't we begin to worship the Lord and, and we call upon his name. Give him praise for what he's but what he's doing in our life and what he's already gonna do uh, we can clap our hands and and faith and believe in uh, that he's gonna make a way where there seems to be no way well he deserves our praise tonight about he's called us for a higher purpose help us to respond and to step out in faith and believe in God, it doesn't matter what we face. It doesn't matter what's against us, God. We know we're called by you. Hallelujah. You're never going to leave us or forsake us. From the moment that I wake you are faithful, Lord. So, so, so. 
Thank you, Lord. Well, your mercy never Lord, I love you tonight, Jesus. You're there all the time. So praise, hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness, Lord, for your grace and your mercy, your love that you shed towards us, God. Help us, Lord, to be faithful, God, in the walk and the ways, God, that you have ordered for us. Hallelujah. We give you the praise and the glory. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. It's okay to be a stranger in a new place, man, but it's not okay to have strangers among us because we're... We need to get to know one another. I mean, we're all part here. Uh, we're all called to this place for a purpose. Amen. And so uh, if there's people that you are not familiar with here, you look around, you don't really know them or you know them by face or by name, uh, we need to start getting to know one another on a better level, right? Because, amen, we're, we're going to spend eternity with heaven in it. And how we can't be strangers up there, so we got to work work out uh, those things down here. And so, uh, be loving, be nice to one another, and, and and reach out a little bit beyond your comfort zone, and uh, you know, reach out to people that you don't know much about. And who knows? You'll never know what what God has done in them and what God is doing in them. Man, there's a stranger in every one of us, and God, there's a promise and a purpose in every one of us. Man, we got to go and step out of faith.